Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, and happy St. Patrick's Day. The season of Lent always begins with the account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Immediately after Jesus was baptized, Immediately after the Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove, immediately after the voice from heaven declared Jesus to be the beloved Son with whom God was well pleased, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Luke says that Jesus ate nothing during those 40 days. Last week, John taught to us about the temptation to doubt God's provision. The season of Lent invites us to look a bit more closely at the nature of temptation. The stage was set last week with the story of Jesus' threefold temptation. To turn a stone into a loaf of bread, to sate his hunger, to worship the devil in order to be given all the kingdoms of the world, and to throw himself off of the pinnacle of the temple in order to be saved by angels. The theme is picked up on the second Sunday in Lent with the story of Abram's temptation to disbelieve God's promise to make him a great nation. Now, I will warn you that I'm not going to be consistent because we know that Abram started off Abram, he became Abraham, and so sometimes I call him Abram and sometimes I call him Abraham. Don't expect consistency. Um, Frederick Beekner has an engaging account of the Abraham story in his book, Telling the Truth, the Gospel as Comedy, Tragedy, and Fairy Tale. And for Beekner, the story of Abraham is the story is gospel as comedy. So Beekner writes, they had quite a life, the old pair, years before they'd gotten off to a good start in Mesopotamia. They had a nice house in the suburbs with a two-car garage and a color TV and a barbecue pit. And then they got religion or religion got them. And Abraham was convinced that what God wanted them to do was to pull up stakes and head out for Canaan, where God had promised that he would make Abraham the father of a great nation, which would in turn be a blessing to all of the other nations. So that's what they did. They put the house on the market, they gave the color TV to the hospital, And they got a good price for the bassinet and crib because, of course, they had never been used, and so they were as good as new. But there was one problem with God's promise. As Beekner put it, Abraham made the discovery that he didn't stand a chance of becoming the father of anything because after extensive medical examinations, 
all leading authorities agreed that Sarah was as barren as some of the real estate in the land of Canaan. Sarah's barrenness was at the heart of Abraham's temptation to doubt both God's provision and God's promise to make of him a great nation. So this morning we heard Abram ask God how the promise was possible given the fact that he remained childless and that his only heir was one of his slaves. Remember, Abram was 75 and Sarah was 65 when they set off on their journey. In response to Abram's doubt, God assured him that only his own child would be his heir and told him to look at the night sky and to count the stars if he was able to do so. So shall your descendants be. Abram was made two seemingly improbable promises by God. The first being that this old man and this bar his barren wife would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And the second being that those as yet unborn descendants would inherit the promised land. When we think of temptation, don't we most often think of doing something bad? Or in the season of Lent, we might think of the temptations to, to break our Lenten disciplines. But if we look at the accounts of Jesus in the wilderness and of Abraham questioning how an old barren couple could have as many descendants as the stars in the heavens, we see connections between temptation, identity, God's provision, God's promises, and God's timing in keeping those promises. For both Abraham and Jesus, the primary temptation was a temptation to question the veracity of their identity. Abraham had been told by God to leave his country and to go to some as yet unknown land where God would make him the father of a great nation. He was indeed led to the promised land, but to see the promised land and to possess it were two completely different things. How could he be the father of a great nation if he and Sarah could not conceive so much as one child? And when the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, two of the three temptations were prefaced by a challenge to his identity. If you are the Son of God, then turn this stone into bread and throw yourself from the pinnacle of the temple. Both Abraham and Jesus were tempted to be impatient and to rush the fulfillment of God's promises. When Abraham and Sarah continued childless, even after the reiteration of God's promise that we heard read this morning, they decided that if Sarah couldn't conceive a child, then Abraham could by means of a surrogate. So by the time Abraham fathered a child with Sarah's Egyptian maid, Hagar, they had been in Canaan for 10 years and so had abandoned all hope that Sarah would ever be anything but barren. Jesus was tempted to hasten the fulfillment of God's promises without having to, to suffer his full share of hunger and thirst. His first temptation was to stir, turn stone into bread. 
His next temptation was to grasp the false promise and authority to claim the gift of all the kingdoms of the world that had been offered to him by the one who had no authority to give it to him in the first place. And finally, he was tempted to force the angelic hand of God and to be saved from any sort of pain or harm. Had Jesus succumbed to any one of these temptations, he would have chosen to walk some way other than the way of the cross. If Jesus had walked some way other than the way of the cross, Paul could not have written about him to the Philippians and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Had Jesus forced the angelic hand and walked some way other than the way of the cross, the angels would not have been seen in that empty tomb speaking of his resurrection from the dead. So temptation is not in the first instance about our willpower or our lack thereof. Nor is temptation primarily about doing evil or being bad. At the heart of temptation is a disbelief in God's fidelity, disbelief in God's provision, disbelief in God's promises. At the heart of temptation is a determination to take things into our own hands because of our impatience with God's timing. The season of Lent invites us to assume a posture of remembering and of waiting. During Lent, we are again reminded that God's promises often seem absurd or impossible. We are reminded that God's promises are seldom fulfilled quickly and never on our timetable. We're reminded that there is always some element of risk in God's promises. There is hunger, there is thirst, there is disappointment, and there is loss. When Abraham and Sarah finally did become parents of their son Isaac, the promise of a great nation was jeopardized when Abraham was told to sacrifice that son on Mount Moriah. The promise of the Messiah, of a successor to King David, seemed to be jeopardized that Friday afternoon when Jesus was nailed to the cross. The temptation is to believe that a promise in jeopardy is a promise that won't be forgotten or fulfilled. But when Abraham was tempted to doubt God's promise and intention, he had only to walk outside to look at the heavens, to look at the stars, and to hear again the voice of God saying, and so shall your descendants be. And when Jesus was tempted to doubt God's presence and provision, he had only to remember that voice from heaven at his baptism saying, you are my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. And what of us when we're tempted? We too can look at the multitude of stars and the innumerable descendants of Abraham and remember that God is faithful in God's time. We can look at Jesus 
and remember that the crosses we bear are more often indicators of God's presence than of God's absence. And we can hear the voice of God in the waters of our own baptism, declaring us to be the beloved, adopted sons and daughters of God with whom God is well pleased. Amen. Amen.